Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning. How are we feeling? Hey, uh, I'm so glad that you joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Chris, and I serve here at Faith as the Youth and Young Adults Pastor. And before we get started, that would be the young adults and youth right there. But hey, I want to let you know that God is doing incredible things. Like I'm telling you, people are being saved and lives are being radically changed forever. Not just for a season, not just for a night. God is doing incredible things. Amen? Hey, I can't let this moment go by without bringing honor where honor is due. Uh, Pastor Blake, I know you're watching right now. I just want to thank you. It's been an honor to serve alongside you, serve under you. Uh, really excited for God, what God is doing here in Southwest Florida. Uh, so I want to uh, just go right into it. I want to tell you of a time that I found myself in a moment of worship. Uh, so it was me and I was with a group of my friends and if you're a student or a young adult, you're pretty used to worshiping in a really dark room with very loud music. So that's pretty much what we were doing, painting the picture a little bit for you right there. And there were songs were going crazy. Crazy equals good in my language. So the song Waymaker, how many of you have ever heard of the song Waymaker before? Waymaker. Yeah, it was playing. It had just come out amazing song. And then the next song was a classic. And I'm not lying. This is exactly how this went. The next song was It Is Well. It is well with my soul. Right? Amazing. Then the next song wasn't a song at all. It was actually an ad. And it sounded a little bit like this. You could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty rough. So at that moment, every eye went to one person. And it was our friend that insisted on connecting to the speaker. And we all thought the same thing. How are you insisting on connecting to the speaker, yet you don't bother to even have Spotify Premium? <laughs> like, it, come on, like you had to know this was gonna happen. Such a silly, funny little moment, but it taught me one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my faith walk with the Lord. And it was simply this, is that nothing should dictate or deteriorate the way that we worship God. Even such a silly moment like that, that could hinder and maybe shift the way and perspective that we have towards God in that moment, can do some damage as far as the worship that we give God. Nothing in our life, nothing that we encounter should be able to take away from our praise to Him. Would you agree? Amen. When we think about worship, there's many things that we think about. And I know that your head is probably there. We think about what just happened here. We think about music. But I kind of want to shift your perspective a little bit. So just follow along with me this morning. But that's exactly what I want to talk to you about. But if there's one thing that you capture this morning out of my entire message, remember these words, is that worship is a constant. Worship is a constant. Join me in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for every individual in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would be in this moment. I pray that this would all serve as worship unto you. I pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to everything that you want to do and speak in and through us. It is in your great name that your church says, amen. Psalms chapter 95 verse 6 says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. 
That scripture is an invitation. And notice that it just says come. It doesn't say come if, if you can sing well, come if you can play the guitar, come if you're comfortable, come if you've been a Christian for X amount of time. No, it just says come. Come and bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And when I take that scripture into account, and I take account, into account the culture of church nowadays and, and the walk that we all face, I can't help but think that way too often, church, we've let our worship waver and depend solely on our circumstances, our troubles, and even emotions. Well, I'm going through this, so I don't really feel like worshiping today. Or I'm angry So how am I supposed to pray then? Now I have to wait till life is good and everything's good. But let's be honest, when life is good, that's when we forget God the most. Tends to happen. Life is good. I'm good. And we forget in that moment. Way too often, we forfeit the worship that God is so deserving of because of ourself, because of what we encounter, because of what we are experiencing. But the reality is that nothing, as I mentioned, should be able to have that control, should be able to take away from that worship. Because worship is a constant, and worship has to be a constant because worship connects us to God. I had this conversation with a friend earlier uh, this week about ways to connect with God. I know that there's prayer, I know that there's reading your word, there's devotion. But the last one that we tend to think of is worship. Because worship, we kind of boxed it in, right? Like we kind of said, okay, this is worship and we do worship for like 20 minutes of the service and then we move on. We just get it out the way. But it doesn't work that way. Something that I'm sure you can attest to is that there's a complete difference in someone who is connected to God versus someone who is not connected to God. I'm sure that you've even seen the difference within yourself. Maybe on a bad day where you know you probably should have been praying more and spending more time in the Lord's presence, you notice that difference. But then you, or the day that you actually decided to, hey, I'm going through it, so I'm going to step into that presence because I know that there's joy and freedom in that presence, and you notice the difference. And the difference changes things like how we react to things. How many of you guys would, would be honest with yourself and you, you would say that you could be a little bit emotional, a little bit of a hothead at times? Okay, we'll work on honesty. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> it changes things. How we react to things, I, I, can, I can stand here and tell you that I am pretty, like, a pretty emotional person when it comes to, like, bigger situations. And I actively need to remind myself to take two steps back so that I can allow God to take two steps forward into my situation. Because I know that if I had my way and I reacted the way that I wanted to work, it's not, it's not gonna bring life. It's not, it's not gonna produce fruit. It's probably gonna damage that relationship. It's probably gonna hurt some feelings. But when we include God in our reactions, when we say, okay, God, I know what I'm going to say, so you take the wheel. That changes everything. Maybe even the decisions you make. Maybe at one point you had a whole map of what you were doing with your life, and then you encountered Jesus, and Jesus changed everything. And you had to be okay with that. You were okay with that. You let him decide. 
Because when we get saved, what happens is, okay, God, here, I'm laying down my life. I'm putting down my agenda, what I want, and I'm going to pick up what you have for me. That's what I want. Your plan, your purpose. Allowing God, have, starting that conversation in worship and letting him make the decisions. Even things like your demeanor. Uh, a thing that we tell our students is when they hold the signs and, or any greeter that holds the signs, we're like, you don't, might not believe this, but you greeting someone with a fat smile on your face and being so enthusiastic could change how that person receives service. Little things like that have such a huge effect. The reality is that connecting to God through worship brings God all the glory and leaves you blessed in turn. I'm going to say that one more time. Connecting with God through worship gives him all the glory and leaves you blessed in turn. There's a, a thing that we say here pretty often. Uh, if you've entered in during a time of worship or a prayer where you've probably heard someone say, I don't know what condition you walked in today. I don't know if you're hurting. I don't know if you're in the trenches. I don't know if you're in the valley. I don't know if life is just beating you up or you're just all sunshines and rainbow. But we know the one that wants to walk alongside you, the one who can restore, the one who can bring peace. We say that for a reason because there is peace in his presence. We tend to forget that when we step into his presence, we step into restoration, into healing, into miracles, into breakthrough, into salvation, into his grace, love, mercy, and compassion. Just today, this morning, I found myself on the way here listening to a worship song. I'm a crier when it comes to all things Jesus and God. Like if, if I hear a worship song and I'm by myself and I have enough time to actually process like the goodness of God, I am instantly crying. If I read the word and I reflect that unto my life, I am crying because I just get so overwhelmed with gratitude. So this morning as I'm driving to church, doesn't happen pretty often. So of all days, the one Sunday that I'm preaching, of course, I'm pulling up, eyes puffy, snot running down my face. I'm driving here and I'm listening to this song that someone put me onto and it's like, I'm tired. And I'm like, you know what, God, I am tired. I am. And so I'm, I'm listening to this song and I thought of every single moment where the enemy wanted to, 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 to end me, wanted to defeat me, defeat me wanted to, not, to have me held captive in bondage. And then I think of the grace of God showing up day in and day out and pulling me out of all of those things that I was experiencing and I was overwhelmed with gratitude. And when we're overwhelmed with gratitude as believers, what do we do? We worship and we thank God for his goodness. I don't know when the last time was that you really sat in awe of God, that you had so much gratitude in you that you just couldn't help but cry and lift up a shout to heaven and fall on your knees and worship or whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. Spend more time in worship. Worship is a conversation. And we tend to forget that. Psalms chapter 16 verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yes, we worship because it connects us to God. But we also worship because it shows the work that the Lord has done in us. 
We express the gratitude for everything that he has done in our lives. That is why we worship. And we worship because in his presence, as the scripture says, there is fullness. If you recall your life before you met Jesus, you know what it's like to live life on empty. And if God willing, you're on the other side of that now, you never wanna go back to that again. Because once you experience that goodness and that fullness, man, you can't help but crave and want that all the time. Want more and more and more of that. Fullness is what he has for us. Worship, much like many things, is a prerequisite. Oftentimes we always say, hey, pray before you eat, pray before you do this. I want to push it a little further and say you should worship before everything too. Thank him. Be in awe of him. A.W. Tozer puts it this way, God wants worshipers before workers. Indeed, the only acceptable workers are those who have learned the lost art of worship. When we connect with God, we learn that art of worship and the blessings that it brings. Worship is very essential and crucial to our walk in faith. And it should be your priority in our lives because we're called to worship. In fact, we're created to worship and there's no way around it. And when I say there's no way around it, what I really mean to say is we should want no other way. We should want to worship him. We should want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and praises. Worship connects us to God, and that's why worship is not subjective. Say that with me. Worship is not subjective. In other words, if you have been redeemed, if you have been called out of darkness, if you are a child God saved by the Most High, your worship should not be easily conquered, wavered, defeated, silenced, changed, or anything in between by your circumstances, emotions, or anything else. There's literally no excuse that I could think of that would validate not living a life of worship unto God. See, there's a range of things that I've heard as a pastor, uh, as being in ministry for a couple of years now. They range from serious to very like, uh, maybe not the best excuse. Not that there really is a valid one. But they'll be like, hey, I just lost like two family members. How am I supposed to worship through that? How am I supposed to be filled with thanks? Hey, I just got diagnosed with cancer. How am I supposed to, how? I can't worship through that. They'll go from things like that to, well, I just don't like the songs, so I'm just not gonna worship. The music's too loud. So I can't really, I, I can't worship. And I actually have heard this last one to put things into perspective. Worship just isn't my thing. Man, that is sad. And church, I, I genuinely hope if that's your perspective, that worship just isn't my thing, so I'm just not gonna do it. Spend some time in his presence. That presence will literally make you want to worship. You can't help but worship. The sooner you realize that worship is less about you and all about God, that's the moment that you can actually worship through any and every circumstance that you may face. And Paul and Silas, they actually uh, map this out 
literally like to the T for us. Like there's no error in like how they did things and how we should follow their example. I'm going to read to you a little bit of the backstory found in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. And it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had the spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and Silas and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed. Let me stop right there, annoyed of all things. God moved in Paul's annoyance. I'm gonna use that one because I get annoyed and I'm sure you do too. God can still use it because it continues and guess what it says? I'm not going to actually have you guess. But he turned around and he said, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that time, the spirit left her. All because he got annoyed. Crazy. And then when her owners realized that their hope in making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jew and are throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, beaten with rods, and after they had been severely flogged, thrown into jail, and they were put in the, most, in the innermost cell, and their feet were tied to stocks. Take that into account. Accused, beaten, thrown in jail. And what they did might surprise you next if you're not familiar with the story, but I believe that it is exactly the example that we should follow when we don't feel like worship because of, worshiping because of our circumstance. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw that the doors had opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But because he thought the prisoners, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Being accused, beaten, and in prison didn't change their response to God. Their oppression didn't equate to all of a sudden God is bad. They still worshiped. In fact, it was their first response. Another thing to note is that their worship 100% without a doubt affected their environment. So when you take into account your life of worship, I want you to think about those around you because what were those people doing when Paul and Silas decided to sing hymns to God? They were listening. And then the, it continues, and you see that they weren't just set free. Everyone's shackles came loose. It wasn't just their gate that opened. All the prison gates opened. Your worship affects your environment. And there are people who are affected directly based off how you choose to worship God. The thing about Paul and Silas is that they knew this, but I hope that you know this, is that we honestly tend to exclude God from the areas that we should rely on him the most. They knew, hey, there's no way that we can get ourselves out of this. So we're going to rely on the one who is all-powerful, almighty, and can get us out of this. 
because it's not by their strength that they were able to break free. And I often think about this story and I, I think like, man, how, how different would things have been for Paul and Silas had they chosen to just sit there in their resentment, anger, and defeat? And not just for them, but for everyone else who was set free because of their worship. It's something to think about how different things would be if you just include God in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your frustration, struggle, and everything in between. And the thing about our worship is it shouldn't be subjective because our worship isn't and should never be dependent on us, but on how good our God is. Our worship has nothing really to do with us. All we can do is give it. And we can make sure that, hey, God is still good. God is worthy despite of everything that I'm going through. I'm not going to let this take away from what God is already worthy of. Because God isn't, he's not, he doesn't become worthy from situation to situation. He already is. He's already worthy. I oftentimes think about my first year of marriage, a bit of a vulnerable moment here. Uh, my first year of marriage was a very difficult one with my wife. We got married young, 21 and 22. And you know, we went through the normal difficulties of getting to know one another. You know, you date and you think you know everything about each other. No, you don't know nothing about each other until you live with each other. I'm telling you like arguments about toothpaste in the sink, like all these different things. We were learning each other and it was very difficult. The tension was there. And then things got a little bit harder. Just in our first year of marriage, I lost my brother and we had a miscarriage really hard, it took a toll on us, a, a huge toll on us. And I remember feeling so defeated, like we, we lost. Like this isn't really gonna work, it's not going anywhere. But then I remember someone else's worship affecting us. Because our church started showing up at our door. Hey, we miss you guys. Hey, we know you lo- you're lost and here's a basket. Like it, it, it was crazy, they prayed for us, they would worship. Like, and they would say, hey, we prayed for you during worship and all this stuff. And it blessed us immensely. And from there, I remember sitting on the bathroom floor with my wife, took her hand, and we cried for hours. And we worshiped and we prayed. And in that moment, what I thought was coming to an end, the Lord picked up from the ashes, put it together, called it beautiful. And now I'm here, five, almost six years later, blessed because I decided to, hey, I'm not going to let this situation dictate or deteriorate my worship. I'm going to include God because I can't do it on my own. We can't do it on our own. It wasn't until we included God that things were healing, were restoring. We didn't let our circumstance dictate our worship. We let our worship dictate our circumstance. And that's what we need to start doing, church. Worship has to be a constant because at the end of it, it's more than just a moment. It's more than just calling on God when things are bad or even when they're good and thanking Him. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we do day in, day out. Worship is a lifestyle. And to know, and to worship God is to know God. And Paul and Silas's instant reaction, man, I hope and pray that that's always all of our reactions in this room. That the instant that we feel like, I don't feel like praying, I don't feel like worshiping, I don't even feel like coming to church, you're going to do that. Because that is what's going to produce the fruit. That is what's going to get you out of the sticky situation that you might find yourself in. Worship 
it's crazy because we, like I said, we put it in a box, but worship really isn't something that we just do here in the confines of these four walls. No, you take worship wherever you go. Wherever you are, there should be worship. Your life should be worship. Every situation, in the car, at home, in the office, everything you do should bring worship to God, should reflect His goodness. Going to God should always be our first response and never our last resort. That is how we should lead our lives. So I encourage you to let your life be worship. Because here's the reality, life can be hard. And I'm not standing here and saying, hey, your situation might be hard, big whoop, get over it and worship. Although I can guarantee you that that would be an amazing solution for your situation. I'm not saying that your, your God doesn't care about what you're going through. No, I'm telling you that he cares so much that he wants to be a part of it with you. Because it's so easy to just think that you're strong enough. It's so easy to think, hey, I can handle this load on my own. But the fact is that you were never meant to. See, God has his hands wide open waiting for you to just say, here, I'm not strong enough. Here, I'm not the Lord of my life. Here, I don't know what to do. And tell him that you trust him. It's a conversation. That's all it is. Start having your conversation with God. And you might be in this place and you might think, I don't worship. I don't really know how to worship. Here's the thing about the beauty of worship is that your be- the beauty of your worship is not the beauty of my worship. How I worship won't be how you worship. And how you worship won't be how I worship. How you worship God won't be received the same way by Him that it is when you worship and then when I worship Him. No, it's unique and it's beautiful to Him. And He loves it. And you might be there like, yeah, Pastor Chris, I don't really have the best voice. It's okay. It doesn't mean you have to have a beautiful voice to worship God. It doesn't mean you have to pick up a guitar. No, it's a conversation. It's thanking Him. It's praising Him and knowing that regardless of your feelings, regardless of how you woke up feeling that day, that He's still worthy of that worship. That's all it is. There's this joke that I said for a service and I, I felt bad, so I, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. It's okay. Lily, I love you. A, a huge prerequisite for pastors, 90% of the time, honestly 99.1% of the time, is that for some reason, they always marry women that can sing. I don't know what it is, but ask your local pastor, except for this one, uh, if their wife can sing, because they will probably say, yeah. And my wife, she is talented in so many ways, just not that way. You can laugh, it's okay, she's not in the room, so it's fine. But I've seen her pour out her worship in such unique and beautiful ways. Worship, there's no rhythm or rhyme, rhyme or rhythm, sorry. Just because someone does this in their worship doesn't mean you have to do that same thing. Just because you feel like what you're doing is obscure and different from everyone, it does not matter. If that's what the Holy Spirit has put in your heart to do to praise the Lord, guess what you are doing? That obscure and weird thing. And someone who gets it people who get it, who have been in his presence and know and have tasted the goodness and seen his goodness will probably be like, wow, 
not for me, but that's beautiful worship right there. Because when you know him, when you know his presence, you can't help but worship. So I want to ask all of you to stand with me. And I want to read this scripture to you one more time. And I want to encourage you to pray this. God, how can I worship you in a new way? God, make me uncomfortable, make me unashamed in my worship. I read the scripture in the beginning and I mentioned that it is for everyone because it is for everyone. It's an invitation to everyone. Psalm chapter 95, verse six. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I'm gonna go into prayer and then we're gonna spend a couple more minutes in worship, but I encourage you, be bold and unashamed. Father, I thank you. Lord, we worship you this morning. We pray that you would be with us, that you would continue to guide, mold, and shape us. We pray, Father, that no matter uh, what we may face, no matter what we may feel, Lord, that we would never shy away from giving you the praise that you are so worthy of. Pray, Lord, that you would put in our hearts and instill in us a spirit of worship, of gratitude, Lord. Lord, we give you this worship. We give you this morning in this service. It is in your great name that we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.